friend in the world. One day, my best friend was off and my other friend was wearing a coat with red dots on it. And it said, can I be your new best friend? You haven't had me on for a year and you made me read this shit? Yeah. I, Russell, where did you get this? <laughs> Wait, what? I thought he was just going to leave right after he was done. I, I can't control what he says. Where did you get this? Um, Reddit. It's terrible. First time in two years somebody submitted another one. We, we're going to bring back him to read this thing? Yeah, he's uh, contract work. <laughs> also, Great. he can leave now. Yeah, I'm going to go. All right, good. Well, you know, it would help if... I'd like to go. <laughs> God, what, what does this mean? I have the best, best friend in the, is it best friend or you just put best in there twice? I didn't touch it. Okay. Uh, that's all nizzledang. And then one day my best friend was off and my other friend wearing a coat with red dots on it said, could I be your new best friend? So the other friend probably murdered the best, best friend and those red dots that are in quote is blood. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this for a long time. It's not good. I, I, I unlocked it. No, it's it's actually, I would say, bad. Welcome to episode 380 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me, not wearing a scary hat. It's Russell oh, John, the right. Fisherman. I don't even have my camera on. I'm sorry, Randy. I know we like to make eye contact while we talk through. By the way, you were outside for like four hours today. You didn't have the hat on. No, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. You need a hat outside, dude. Yeah. Why no hat? Sunscreen? I, I feel like the hat, I did I did have sunscreen. You did have sunscreen? I feel like the hat is a, uh, I don't know, it's a costume I wear. I hide under the hat. It's like when you wear a hoodie and you put the hood up. And Randy Michael Sat joining us in Atlanta, Georgia. Randy, you were, uh, you were a hat band for a while. Yeah, I still rock a hat pretty often. I'll even wear a beanie like in Atlanta in the summer just because it's kind of like a comfort thing coming from California, you know? Always beanie weather. Well, you're a beanie man. Yeah, I'm. I'm wearing no uh, nothing on my head currently, but uh, yeah. I know you. You rocked the dad hat for a little while. We had the we you know, the Renaissance of Randy. I remember that. You know, that's true. I do still have that same hat. I had two copies of that same hat, and I <laughs> the second one is almost done. Okay, three right. D print one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forever a tech nerd, dude. Uh, two copies, <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> Also joining us is Oksana Valerinova. Osachi, Oksana, hello. Hi. Oksana, I don't know if I've ever seen you wear a hat. I don't think I can pull them off. She can. <laughs> yeah, of course. Wear a hat. You like hats? Uh, I don't know. I've never worn them. So <laughs> I, I've uh, worn his scary hat for a couple minutes. But, That's true. Um, how, how did that feel? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it felt like a imposter syndrome or something. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not a hat person. I thought you were going to say cheap as a joke because, of course, that hat was fifty dollars. <laughs> but you're supporting the arts. I, I always support the arts. I know you do. That's why you wore your Spirit Halloween shirt yesterday that just said Spirit Halloween. I, I wore it today too. I had my my hoodie on. Actually, it's not a hoodie. It's a crew neck. It's very cool. Lord have mercy. It's good. All right. Uh. Okay. 
We're talking to you on Sunday night, a little bit of a different record, a little different Sunday night energy. We, uh, when was the last time we did a Sunday night? I feel like not that long ago, right? Didn't We just interviewed somebody on the Sunday, and then we recorded on a Monday and then did another Yeah, but interview. that was Sunday in the a.m. We, we'd usually, you know, we'll, oh. we'll go before one. When did we just do a night record? I think that was a Monday, but yeah, I think that was oh, just a an Monday. interview. Yeah. I know. We, we banked a couple. Yeah, it was fun. I don't know. I, I, I'm more of an evening person now. I'm not. I, I'm really not. I, I'd be down for a 6A record, dude. I wouldn't. It's too early. <laughs> yes, I understand. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant that non-ironically. I was just thinking. I was seriously thinking about it. I'm like, no, it's too early. Yeah. All I can do is have a coffee. I wouldn't have any time for my notes. Or I don't even think David would be up to like fly out that early. It just wouldn't work. Oh, he's an AM guy. He's AM, but you get the coffee rolling. He's re- he's popping and locking. The epoxy and Scotch tape aren't ready. Yeah, that that's early, right, though. Yeah, that, gotta, that epoxy may be a little stiff. He's got to be equipped. I have no idea what the consistency of epoxy is or should be. I don't know what he's making with it either. I don't either. I'm just glad he hangs out with us. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I am a little tired though. Because are we going to? We just came back from a baby shower that we my did. sisters threw for me. Thank you very much. Very kind. They threw for you. Yeah. Oh, threw for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. They threw for us. <laughs> Actually, honestly, uh, this was the coolest thing that we've ever been a part of because we didn't plan it. And all I had to do was show up and be in a social mood, which I was able to like focus my energy on, which meant I just tried not to think about it. And it showed up and lived in the moment. I had fun. Why are you laughing? I don't know. Well, that's great because it was one of the worst afternoons of my life. <laughs> my dad would so, not leave Clark alone. It was it was actually it was so funny that it stopped being funny. No. And well, then, also, I just, I was, I had, I was up to my elbows and raw hamburger meat on a park bench <laughs> at a fucking makeshift bowls because we didn't have any equipment. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he called an audible last minute because he wanted to get a six pack of beer. I, I don't know, but I complete. I think exactly because again, this was going to be a no alcohol event. Mm-hmm. So he thought it would be cute, you know, part of his charm to be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to sneak in and I'm going to have a beer with Clark. And first thing he knew is Clark doesn't usually like to have a beer with him or a beer in general. Correct. So I'm like, you motherfucker. And yes. I think he, yeah, not no bueno. He didn't bring a cutting board. Was there a, like a knife or anything? Were there? Yeah, any yeah, tools? yeah. Okay. He, yeah. But, but no, nothing to store anything in. I, yeah, I know. And also, like- he brought a like three pounds of just raw hamburger <laughs> meat. I'm like, you didn't patty it out? <laughs> no. And of course. And so then I was walking around with raw beef on my hands. Like, what the? In the middle of like an arid area. Yeah, and then, you know, your dad is 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 not well mentally. <laughs> That's so why he gets along with it. Was, it was not a fun afternoon. Yeah, no, it was great for me because he was bugging you the entire I, time. I, I, it took me a while to not be furious anymore. That's every day with you, so I'm, no. I'm used to it. Um, it was hell. It was fun. I hung so. out with Justin and his uh, beautiful daughters and played in the playground. I ate two pieces of Costco pizza. The pepperoni, I don't fuck with the cheese. Yeah. I don't eat cheese. That was the other thing. 
I cooked all that shit, and then fucking pizza comes. I was like, what the fuck is the purpose of me doing that? Because nobody ate that shit. Oh, dude. Well, you should have... Uh, <laughs> so fucking dumb. Did you notice the whole table? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, everybody. Clark uh, bled and sweat for these burgers, so please come over here. Put the pizza down. So dumb. Also, there were like 48,000 cupcakes there, mm-hmm. too, that we now are like... It's so our So many cupcakes. There's so many. Yeah. <laughs> There were like 12 hamburgers I could patty out in 98 cupcakes. 98, yeah. There was so, <laughs> dude, so much sugar. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not. <sighs> All right. Now, speaking of sugar, you know, this man, he likes a treat. So uh, let's bring him in and see what he's got. <laughs> this is cryptic. You know, we fly him out. Can you fucking give him a grand entrance? No. Yeah. You got you to gotta let the people know what he directed. What he's been a part of. How many awards he's won. I am over the pomp and circumstance <laughs> of this bit. <laughs> oh, come on. Hell no. Fucking it's Sunday night, dude. David Lynch doesn't get much more than that. Uh, director of uh, Inland Empire and uh, Blue Velvet. Uh, here he is. Good morning. It's October 9, 2022, and it's a Sunday. Day two of Weekend Projects. And the fun work train is rolling continuously. <laughs> Today, once again, I'm going to be headed for a dining car for a cookie, uh, some more popcorn, and of course, fresh hot coffee. Today, I hope to be working what is with, with you? tempera paint, cotton, what? paper, <laughs> wood glue, wood, dude, David, David, he's nodding, David, dude, I guess that's it, <laughs> everyone. Have a great day. Dude, seriously? Okay. <laughs> Did you monkey with that? What? He's. You saw him. I didn't touch that. No. He, uh, I think he's putting himself to sleep. <laughs> well, he's not the only one. I, you know, it, when, he, when he brings up the same thing, the, first off, the cookie thing, nothing feels more geriatric than going for a cookie. It feels so What do you think? Man. I love him. Dude, but then the popcorn, which I feel like he's just playing to the crowd now because it makes me happy. And then the coffee. It's all he talks about. And then working with cotton. Popcorn for you, coffee for Randy, cookie for me. There you go. The Holy Trinity. Dude, him playing with cotton and wood glue. And I, the image he's painting is just so weird. Oh, yeah. But then legitimately not saying a word for about a minute. Bold move. Dude. That was so long. It was it was kind of like there was something there. He just we muted him or something. But there was nothing there. Unreal. That was live. All right. Thanks again, David. <laughs> Worth the money. All right. Before we move on, uh, Oksana, what is this? Do you have like some sort of amulet? What what is this you have on? It's a jack o' lantern. <laughs> you have a jack o' lantern mm-hmm. for the Halloween themed baby shower. I had my Halloween dress, which is now just long enough to be a shirt. <laughs> Oh, that was a Halloween thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's Lovely. cool. <laughs> are y'all, are y'all, when are you going to get pumpkins? I, you know, somebody asked me, they're like, were there supposed to be pumpkins here? 
Wasn't there like a carving game or something that was floated? No, the game was to put diapers on a pumpkin. Yeah, what happened to that? That wasn't going to work. I mean, fuck it. You know, if, here, we've been on this show for six years. If we let things that weren't going to work stop us, <laughs> I mean, there'd be no bits or show. What, so, kind of, what kind of games would happen at Randy's baby show? <laughs> you asking me or you asking them? Just open it up for the floor. I'm, I'm, uh, it's stall for me. I'm trying to come up with a USB theme. <laughs> or, <laughs> or I don't know, probably some audio stuff, right? Like maybe the baby, uh, you have somebody cry and you have three different baby monitors and you have to guess which one has the, is putting out the most wattage or something. <laughs> right. Come on. We you got like a, we could do like an old school, like a name that tune or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> you could play Jeopardy. <laughs> Play Jeopardy. <laughs> I think that game's copyrighted. You'd have to come up with your own. I did uh, watch earlier today. I watched the uh, Jackass crew on Family Feud. It was pretty good, dude. We watched that. Oh, I, I watched part of it. A little bit of it. Yeah. The the takeaway that really stuck with me was that Johnny Knoxville is a giant. He was taller yeah. than Steve Harvey. I'm like, that's not right. That shouldn't be. How tall is Steve Harvey? I don't know. He's usually bigger than most people there. I know RuPaul's tall too, and he was taller. Actually, I'm not. You know what? Can we can we look this up? Oh. How tall is Johnny Knoxville? <laughs> That's very oh my good. God, Steve Harvey six one. That's very tall. Yeah, so that means Johnny Knoxville is probably my favorite height. You know, whenever He's I have six one. Oh. Oh, uh, maybe he had some shoes on was doing some... Uh... No, he rocks old school Converse, dude. Don't ask me how to know that. <laughs> dude, today at the baby shower, I was wearing uh, Timberlands. I mean, I felt like a giant. I felt like I was on stilts in there. What are you, a rap mogul? I was looking down on all the peons. I'm like, fuck, dude. It's great to be tall. Why Why is it only boots with you? You were wearing sneakers I need utility and style. Utility for what? For fucking storming anything. Normandy, you know when the nukes land, I'm gonna be ready. <laughs> You're gonna be out there in your Crocs. Actually, Crocs would probably be pretty good too. Crocs, yeah. I'm not a lesbian. They're they're all terrain. <laughs> they're all terrain. Uh, no footwear. I, I, it, these are slides, dude. Not Crocs. <laughs> Stallones. <laughs> Sucker slides. They're slide Stallones. They're very European. Ew. Because that's you're not very European. What, what are you talking about? I dress like a Euro. You're from Mississippi. You're the reason we went to war. I dress with Euro. like a European soccer coach. What? I wouldn't know what that looked like. I know, well, yeah. look at me. And you sound like a European think of, farmer. Th think. Of, look at me. Look at all my fly ass drip. <laughs> and then you'll figure out What's how that they. What's H on coach? your hat stand for? Uh, this is from the. This is for the Hiroshima carp. In Japan. I thought it was Heffa. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, I'm I don't, I don't know why we do this show. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> even know. I don't, right. I don't know what purpose. All right. Randy Michael. Yes, sir. Now, Randy, you were you were back. You were at home all this week. No, no uh, Mars Volta. No Boston. Nope. No traveling this weekend. Just, uh, yeah, just hanging out at the house and did a little bit of yard work Saturday morning. And uh, yeah. That's about it. Oh, I uh, forgot to, R Russell, I forgot to tell you this. Um, I want to do a drop, but we don't want to do it live because Brandy's going to have an aneurysm. But uh, Jim Randy is back, dude. Oh, okay. 
But that's a live. That's a live drop. I know. That's what I'm saying. We can't do it. But um, Randy, uh, you've been doing this uh, hundred uh, push-ups a, a day. Oh yeah, I uh, so I, I would do it like a couple times a week, most weeks. But um, yeah, for the I, I decided to go along with the sober October. I did miss the first day as I got drunk and a little bit high for the first of October for Mars Volta. But, uh, yeah, part of the, uh, the, the Rogan cruise, uh, thing is doing a hundred pushups, but I'm not doing the, uh, the workout that they're doing, but I was like, you know what? I can easily do a hundred pushups in a day. So I'm trying to go every day in October and, uh, I'm already feeling it. I could tell you that much. Okay. But these are real deal pushups. All right. Don't be doing this pussy ass pushups though. They're pretty good. I used to take uh, karate as a kid and we would do like push-ups and, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I I got some decent training. All right. Here's what I want to do. Next time you do your next batch of push-ups, uh, the bad batch of push-ups, uh, I, want, I want you to record it, send it over to Russell. Russell, you verify <laughs> if these are quality push-ups and then, you know, let Randy know. I believe Randy's doing it. Okay. He told me he used to work out. Yeah, but I think they're decent. Dude. Also, Clark. I'm just for checks and balances. You totally sounded like a European coach right there. How? You're like, dude, you better be doing real push-ups. I'm a Jason. You know I'm a coach in my heart. I know. I dress like a coach. I talk like a coach. I inspire. I fuck cheerleaders. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I do. All right, you lost me there. Well, what do you want? I don't know. I had you. 75%. Uh, all right, Randy Michael, he's out there. He's gonna be swole as shit here pretty soon. Oh yeah, are you gonna be able to handle swole Randy, dude? Oh, dude, I'm gonna hang out with him. He's probably gonna be a lot more fun. Have <laughs> yeah, some gonna be cooler now too, for sure. Fighting off the bitches left and right, <laughs> dude, just storming the streets of Atlanta, dude. All right, Randy Michael, what'd yes, you say, yep. son? I didn't write this down, but I'm going to just say that I've been going back into the Final Destination series, uh, known as my favorite horror franchise. I'll be I, uh, What's number two? What's your second favorite horror franchise? <laughs> That's a good question. I'd have to get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. Uh, I'm only two in so far. I've been trying to watch some newer stuff the last couple of days, but... Uh, Excited to watch the rest of them and then watch the new one when it eventually comes out. Now, what's the deal with the new one? Are, are we in? Are we in pre-pro? We in post-pro? What's what's going on? Uh, I think it's in production currently. All I know is that the filmmakers that uh, were pitching it did a Zoom call where they faked their own death on the Zoom call. All right, so I got cute with it. Who uh, who is it? I don't remember. <laughs> I think it was someone good. Or at least decent. Okay. Well, one day we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what else? Uh, yeah, I had been seeing some um, advertisements for this uh, sci-fi film called Vesper uh, that just came out. I think it's on v- it's on VOD now for like six ninety nine. Uh, I don't know exactly if it's playing in theaters or not, but I uh, saw some images from it and it looked uh, like it had a very cool style and it has this like droid that looks kind of like a it's like a floating like sort of like a a spherical object and it has like a cute looking face drawn on it it looks kind of like wilson from castaway and i was like i like sci-fi it's like kind of post post post-apocalyptic type of thing so 
decided to give it a shot on Friday. And uh, essentially, yeah, it's about this young girl who I think she's like 13. Her name is Vesper. And uh, yeah, it's uh, a little bit after the collapse of Earth's ecosystem. And um, she is a very smart uh, kid, and she is living with her father, uh, who is actually not able to speak. He's essentially bedridden, but he has like this thing hooked up to his brain. And uh, he actually communicates through the droid that she travels with. So the droid has a voice, and it's essentially him speaking through that. Does he control uh, the droid? I think so, yeah. It didn't really like get too much into like how the movement happens. So the droid is, is an extension of this old man. Essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it moves really cool. It's, I'm sure it's uh, obviously like a CG of sorts, um, but it looks, looks really great. The, a lot of the visuals in the movie um, are very good. Um, so, but essentially the plot of the movie is essentially there's like, there's this citadel where like all the like rich people are and they're kind of like hoarding resources and stuff. And there is uh, like seeds that they need to get, but these seeds are like hacked so that like people can't actually like um, make them like work. Like if you plant them in the soil, so she has to use like biohacking abilities <laughs> in order to get these to work so that like her, like, you know, her and her dad and her like, uh, the people that she lives with, like in this like very poor um, area can like, you know, survive. Um, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of like cool ideas. Like I said, a lot of like really great visuals. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Annihilation, but not as good. Um, yeah, the, the, the tone of this is very like somber. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's post-apocalyptic, you know, so it kind of feels like the road, maybe not as bleak as the road, but it's kind of bleak and la- like super hopeful uh, a lot of the time. So it kind of, I don't know, the tone didn't 100% work for me, but visuals looked great. Um, the acting was really good and yeah, I would definitely watch whatever these directors do again because uh, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of promise in like the visual style. Um, it reminded me of some other like pretty low budget but really good looking sci-fi movie that I saw on Netflix recently. But I am for, oh, Prospect I think is what the movie was called. Was it about gold mining? It was not. I actually saw it like a year or two ago, but um, that one was really good too. So yeah. I don't know. I'm always uh, interested in, you know, sort of lower budget sci-fi movies. And sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not good. But I felt like that these filmmakers really knew how to like work with their budget. So they're not like trying to do things that they can't necessarily do visually. Because that's, I don't know, that's what really takes me out of low budget filmmaking is when they have like really big ideas, but then they don't have the budget to actually like execute on them. Yeah, for sure. You definitely run into a slippery territory with that and i think uh you know you can attribute that to you know not being able to you know kill your darlings uh you can't be too precious on those ideas because if you know if you can't execute it the exact way that you want it executed you're fucked yep yeah randy i was super curious about this one because uh, a couple people said that they were doing a double feature of Vesper and Die for a Dollar, the William Hill or the Walter Hill movie. And I was like, I haven't heard anything about either of these. And while you were talking, I, you know, went to IMDb and I looked at the images. Uh, There are, of course, the two posters that made me 
I don't know, kind of bored. Like I saw them and I'm like, I don't know. One of them's very Star Wars and the other one looks very, um, not Annihilation. What was the one that had the like, uh, the Simpsons aliens? Like they were giant squid things. Everybody loved it. Um, it, it was hard sci-fi. Was the, the Amy Adams one? Yeah. What the hell was that called? Arrival. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah. It, it looks very Arrival. Both of those were I don't know. Very boring. There's one other picture of a uh, girl in a jacket with an arm bag and a uh, what looks like a I don't know a mix between a um, drone and R two D two floating next to her, and that completely sold me. I want to watch it. Yep, that's the exact image that sold me on it too. I was like, oh, this looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool in like a very like um, I don't know. They knew how to photograph it way. Yeah. And I'm totally. like, hey, if these two could walk around, I'll, I'm in for that movie. Nothing else <laughs> has gotten me interested except for that one fucking image. Oh, yeah. dude, Richard Brake's in it, too. Yep. My man's all over the dude, place. Dude, he's fucking killing it. Yeah, Randy, I'm I'm totally... What would you would you give it on Letterboxd? I think three, maybe three and a half. Oh, I'm worried. So better than The Monsters. Three and a half, I think. Honestly, when I was watching it, I think you would maybe enjoy it more than I did. It feels like it almost dips a little like fantasy ish. It looks like star Wars. Like there's a lot of like, yeah, it does. And there's a lot of like cool world building and stuff in it. So I think you would actually dig it. Well, it's funny that you, the plot you laid out sounds like it's just future people versus Mo- Mosantos where he's like locked yeah. the, the corn genome and it won't grow. Yeah. Yeah, I but I'm I'm not super excited about more like rich people bad like I don't know subtext. Oh, I'm like, dude, are all yeah. films about that? Just wait for my film. Oh, I'm 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 excited. Is it Walter Hill's new movie? Did anybody watch that? Die for a dollar? I had no idea. That I was died a for a dollar. Yeah, it's almost two hours long. I, it's interesting. I, I want to check it out. I haven't heard anything. How's Walter though. Hill? Eighty? He's got to be up there. Yeah, because when did Southern Comfort come out? That's how I like to like gauge it. Seventy. Yeah, I don't know. Like two. It had to be early. Yeah, I think it was early. So yeah. So he's got to be old. I don't know. Probably not old enough to be uh, our president, but no oh boy, he's getting up there. <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> Randy, Michael, what else? Yeah, the other one uh, I'm going to talk about is the new film from Anna Lily Amanpour, uh, oh. Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Um, I still haven't seen the Bad Batch. But I did like A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which I'm just remembering came out in 2014. Yep, right there with you, Randy. Been a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one uh, takes place in New Orleans. And essentially, there is a girl with unusual powers escapes from a mental asylum and tries to make, make it out on her own in New Orleans, is the description from IMDb. Uh, good description. I, there's another description somewhere else that I read that gives a little more away. Um, but I, I, I like that description and it is very much like you kind of just exploring the streets of New Orleans with her for a little bit, um, which is cool. It does feel like it was probably conceived of and shot during like pretty early COVID because a lot of the New Orleans stuff feels really empty, which I don't know if that was intentional or not. Um, but, you know, it still looked cool, but. Yeah, you go to New Orleans on like any given day or weekend or whatever, and there's like 10 times the amount of people that you see in this movie. So, well, was, yeah, but then, you know, they got floods and terrible infrastructure and, uh, yeah, you know, COVID and, you know, everybody's dumb. 
<laughs> but yeah, essentially when um, this female who escaped, um, who goes by Mona Lisa Lee, she runs into a character named Bonnie, played by Kate Hudson, who is a stripper at a strip club in New Orleans. And she finds out that um, Mona Lisa has some special powers. <laughs> and she... Uh, decides to sort of use her for these powers and they go along and they uh, can do a lot of things. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pretty good. I had a lot of fun with it. I think it'd be, there's a lot of really good music in it too. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it'd be really good fun. So movie to watch. Nickelback and Coldplay. Yeah. A lot of Nickelback. Uh, look at this photograph. That one's in it. <laughs> now, Randy, um, you said that uh, our titular Mona Lisa escaped from a mental asylum. Is this correct? Correct. Do do we experience that escape? We do. Yeah, that's like the first scene. Um, so she is like in a straight jacket, and she is getting her like she's getting her nails done by like a, a worker in the uh, asylum. So she is like not straight jacketed up, and then you see the. Um, telekinetic skills or whatever that she has uh, uh-huh. used in their opening scene. Biohacking. Yeah. Check, check off telekinesis. All right. Randy, who did it better? Orphan First Kill or your it's movie? Oh, my God. Don't tell Billy Brent. <laughs> I haven't seen either of them. Oh, my Dude, God. Dude, Billy Brent's rad. Yeah. I, I wonder, what do you think, Clark? Which one would have a better escape sequence to kick off their movie? It's hard to top Orphan (laughs) 2. She made it seem incredibly easy. That was... (laughs) Well, it's it's almost like the same thing that, uh, you know, that documentary, The Imposter. Like, it's almost the exact same thing. Yeah. Which is bananas. But, yeah, I I wanted to see this. It was playing at the Alamo. I missed it. I definitely want to see it, though. So, uh, what? I I feel like this is a three and a half from Randy. Or you bump it to a four? Three and a half, yeah. It's good. It's very fun. I think it would definitely be, like I said, it would be fun to see uh, with people or in a theater, if not both. Um, yeah. I, it, it's it's light on plot, but there's enough, like, stuff in it that's cool and interesting. And I don't know, just kind of just following her around New Orleans for a little bit and seeing some creepy and sketchy characters. And I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> so the tone is is playful? Yeah, I'd say so. Especially okay. since they're dealing with almost like, you know, superhero powers and stuff. It doesn't like play it too, it doesn't play it too goofy or too serious. Okay. I'm down. Um, it's good. That's funny because I was going to say Kate Hudson is looking very tangerine in the photo I'm looking at. It definitely did. The movie itself did kind of feel a little tangerine to me, which I dug. Yeah. When I think of tangerine, I think playful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did they shoot this on an iPhone? I don't know, actually. It, it definitely looks digital, for sure, but I don't know if it's shot on an iPhone or not. Digital. Craig Robinson's in it, too. I know. And honestly, I'll tell you right now, red flag. I don't know why. Why? The, the, you don't like anybody, Craig Robinson? Anybody in the office that shows up that isn't fucking Krasinski, I'm like, uh-oh. And that includes... Um, Steve Carell? Steve Carell. I don't think he gives a fuck, dude. I, his movies are not good. I like That's him a why lot, we didn't dude. watch that Christian Rock movie because it had uh, Kevin. Yeah, it had Kevin, who honestly. By the way, did you know he's number, number one, one on yeah, Cameo? I knew. Jinx. <laughs> Bananas. How fucking. Oh my God. 
How dumb is that? <laughs> How much did he charge? If people are paying over $200 for him to be like, hey, have a happy birthday. From- <laughs> I, I'm going to be very angry. That's not a bad count. Uh, thank you. I really had to think of what the fuck he did on that show, and it honestly wasn't that hard. Got it, yeah. <laughs> Just pretend to be a useless hunk of snot, and you got it. Dude, it's funny, though, because the one who's fallen the furthest from the uh, the office plateau has to be Dwight, right? Rain Wilson? Oh, no, dude. He's working. He's working, but I feel like he got like weird, like alt right vibes. Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't felt. Oh, that. I thought he, I thought there was a movement to cancel. No, 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 dude. He is like he grew up with like hardcore hippies. His name is Rain. I get, I get it. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't usually mean much. No, though. he's a, I, he's an interesting cat. He's still a doughy faced white dude yes. who can't fucking do a comedic film at all he's got a beautiful house did you see that rock movie where he was the drummer he lives in like uh ojai hell what, yeah what other movies has he been which in? which is like i mean what's that like an hour outside of la uh yeah probably something like that yeah. maybe like four with traffic <laughs> there yeah. you go i don't know you know i actually really like craig robinson too but i anytime i see one of these motherfuckers crop up in a movie he's beverly luff land yeah i'm not into it I don't know. I wanted to I like see that. Don't Tell a Soul. The fuck is that? He's like stuck in a well. <laughs> I'm in. I'll watch that. Rain Wilson stuck in a well. Awesome. Is it a diodrama? Some kids find him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> that premise. Is it a serious movie? Because if it. Dude, some kids find Rain Wilson in a well. Hell yeah. That's it. That's the IMDb synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? What would you do if you found Rain Wilson in a well? I'd probably just carry on through my day. I'd just try and <laughs> pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like, oh, there's Dwight in a well. Would it eat away at you when you're like at bed no. and you're like going to sleep and no. you just like close your eyes no. and see Rain I, Wilson? I have, uh, I'm very good at shutting. <laughs> shutting out? Yeah. Oh my, you just turn off that I memory. feel like I have maybe had like accidentally murdered people in my past <laughs> and just had blacked it out. But the problem is that shit doesn't go away. It's gonna it's gonna bubble up. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what how trauma works. <laughs> Especially if it's Rain Wilson, the guy everybody loved from the office. It's true. They love to hate him. They love to love him. I love people, to hate him. People love Dwight. He uh my favorite moment in the office of Rain Wilson was when he was the second Joker on a Halloween episode. And he tried to do the laugh and he started coughing afterwards. Because that is one of my favorite things that can happen to people who are trying to be like a zany character, like oh, and then they start coughing. Oh my god, it makes me feel so good. Him doing Billy was pretty funny. I don't remember. He it. was Billy on oh, the bike. That's right. You just you got a soft spot. Billy for on the street. Yeah, Billy on the street. Billy on the street. Oh hey, boy, have, Bros tanked. Did you watch it? No. Okay. It okay. Tanked. Hold on. Let's talk about that. Bros tanking is different than like a Marvel movie tanking. They spent $30 million on marketing this thing. It made four. Well, here's the thing. There's not a lot it's not of the budget people. of the film. It's, I think it's a movie for a niche. It's a small They culture. didn't market it correctly. I don't know. I just, I mean, did, did anybody here go see it? No. Not yet. I mean, oh shit. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I got know. AMC uh, Stubbs A-list. I might go. Randy fucking winked when he said that, and I thought you were about to come out. Here's the thing. Not yet. 
shout out to our, our good friend, uh, whom I love, Terrell, who gave one of the most emotional reviews of that of any movie I've ever heard him give. And he just talked about how bros really spoke to him. Like, cause you know, he's a gay dude. He yeah. likes romantic comedies. Sure. And he said, there's so many things in that movie that only, only exist in the gay community. Sure. And he was like, dude, it felt incredible to see it on the screen. And he was at a sold out Castro screening yeah. with uh, Billy there. Yeah. And I'm like, in my head, I was thinking, you you saw it in the best possible way you could, yeah. and it sounded like a blast. And cherish that. Yeah, because at Tan Fran, it ain't going to be sold out. No. And there aren't going to be people in that crowd going, oh, my God, no. I never I never have talked to anybody about how I had to take pictures of my butt on Tinder or Grinder." One of the handful of people who, like, got a full experience of that thing. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. It's just like, yeah, I... I feel like there were just grave mistakes in the marketing of how they wanted to make this. Um, and yeah, I, I see. I, I think and I, it's also a terrible title. I know what you're saying, but the marketing to me actually felt kind of genuine, which I think was a, uh, a mistake because I, I don't know if people genuinely wanted to go see that. Yeah. And by people, I mean like regular motherfuckers, like the people that we talk to and it's like, Oh, you, you don't, Watch Halloween every year? Don't you have it on DVD? And well, it's like, tricky because, DVD? you know, the, 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 you know look, let's, let's call it like it is. There's no star power here. Hmm. I thought Billy was, like, kind of okay. big. Here's the thing. They know him as Billy on the street. Yeah. They don't know him as Billy Eichner, an actor. They that, know him as a, as, a, as a gay asshole yelling at people. Yeah. I only know him as Who Billy Who is not Eichner. this character in this movie. No. And there you go. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And it's just, um, yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I only know him as Billy on the Street. And there you go. from a viral video. And the co-star, no one knows who that is. No. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I kind of And you like released that. it in October? What are you doing? <laughs> so many mistakes. Well, October is famously the month where if you've got a dud, you can make money. Not on a gay rom-com? <laughs> It's genre in October. <laughs> Very dumb. I uh, here's the thing, that viral video. I think I told you about it. Where it's, it's stand up. It's known as like stand up comedian, and he starts roasting the audience. Well, it's Billy Eichner, and he starts roasting fucking um uh who's that director of Three Hundred, Zack Snyder. Yeah, yeah, and it's him, and he's like, "Why? What do you do?" He's like, "Make movies." <laughs> he's like, "Bullshit! Who are you?" He's a holy shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only other thing I know him from. So, Tight. so yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about movies nobody wants. Billy on the Street. Which I do like. Tuesday. <laughs> Pulling a lynch there. I had to think what day <laughs> it was. Uh, I went to go see an early screening of Triangle of Sadness. Uh, which is slowly starting to creep out in theaters. I um, believe it debuted at Cannes Film Festival earlier. Uh, Randy, if I have, to, uh, Randy, I, I'm asking you specifically because I know that you uh, you browse the Twitter uh, universe from time to time. Were you inundated with updates on Twitter during a uh, heavy film festival season about you know all these standing ovations? I got tired Every about year, it. Yeah. This is the most dumbest shit I ever saw. Always happens every year for since uh, Khan has existed, probably. No, but it, I feel like it got beyond Khan this year. Khan, <laughs> <It's, laughs> I think uh, something got something at Venice or in Tiff. It's just like 
it it got it got to the level of parody this year. Yeah, I'm like I can't deal with this anymore. Um, <laughs> and I think that Triangle of Sadness was at the center. Of Wait, this. so you can't deal with standing ovations? You're like I, I'm over it. No, Randy. <laughs> will you try to explain it better than how I am? Like, have how annoying is it? It's all bullshit. They don't stand. There's no 17 fucking <laughs> minute standing ovation. Do they have? That's video? what they say. Video? I don't know. Randy, you can you prove it? There may be, but yeah, every year there's, especially with con film festivals, there's always a movie that has like a shit ton of walkouts. Usually, like a Lars von Trier movie or something, or like a Gaspar oh. Noe. <laughs> And then a lot of times those movies will get a big standing ovation too. But yeah, there's always like one movie at least that gets like some insane like three to like 10 minute standing ovation. Okay. So what is that? Is that like, I love this movie so much because it's so a looking glass into this modern culture and they can fix all the problems. And I know that. So I'm going to clap longer than everybody here to let them know I like it more than them. I think it's all marketing bullshit. Oh, like on their uh, seat, it's like... Who please. wants to clap for 17 goddamn minutes? <laughs> it's like a timer will appear after the credits. What are um, we doing? That is the clap countdown. Uh, don't get me wrong. I very much would like to go to France, but if they're doing <laughs> that kind of bullshit over there, you can have your croissants, dog. I'm out. I don't need that shit in my life. Triangle Sadness uh, from director Ruben Ostlin. Now, the umlaut, that indicates that I pronounced the letter. Yeah. So it's Ostlin. I had a barbarian named Mothar. I spelled M-O with umlauts, T-H-A-R. And what was Othar's fate? Mothar. Mothar. What was Mothar's fate? Uh, the game stopped. Oh, Coolest so, thing I did, though. So he's hanging out in purgatory right now? I was going to dual class him into a thief and become a wizard slayer. Mm. That was going to be my own title. I hope it was going to catch on amongst the villagers. Dude, wizard slayer is pretty good. Yeah, I know. It's also my metal band. Uh, <laughs> Randy, write that down. Uh, a cruise for the super rich sinks, thus leaving survivors, including a fashion model celebrity couple, trapped on an island. This film is told in three acts. Uh, one, act one, we are at a model agency, and then we are at a dinner, um, and then we are at home, I think. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> two, act two, we're on a yacht. Act three, we're on an island. And Epstein Island? It's it's. The three acts are structured that way, nice and clean the whole way through. Um, it's the runtime is two and a half hours, but Ooh. because the way the story is told on that man, I, I will see this again in the theaters. Um, Ruben Osland, uh, he did the Square uh, from a few years ago with Fantastic Fest, so he's built quite the relationship over there. And the Square was great. Uh, I think this is my favorite movie of his. Um, Yes, he is absolutely uh, taking a punch at the rich here. Um, but he's uh, also a fan of geometry. I would say that the the rich also, everyone involved in this film knows it's a game. That life is a game. And it's just how everything is played out and the power structure, especially when they get to the island and the shift of the power structure uh, is a great thing to see. Um, the cast in here, uh, carries this thing naturally. Um, uh, yeah, look, great, great writing here. The script is, is fantastic. Um, but when you've got, when you've got some wild cards in here, um, you know, let, let's talk about the casting here. Um, now, first thing I do, we should start with the sad note here because that's all I know in life. 
uh, Charles B. Dean, who plays Yaya, who is our Instagrammer. Um, she does a great job. She's fantastic. She has that perfect, like, European model look. You know, the, she's she's very slender and skinny, but has enormous eyes that are far too big for her head. And she's got that model slender face. Well, unfortunately, um, she's dead now. Uh, in life, uh, she passed away before the film was released. Dead in life, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which was all very sad. Um, from Cape Town, Africa, was just really starting her acting career, uh, and was great in this film. How'd she die? I don't know. Uh, but she died very young. Thirty-two. Yeah, very sad. Lung infection. Yikes! Her brother reveals. Uh, I, here's. <laughs> TechArp.com. Charles B. Dean's brother reveals her cause of death. That's the headline. Damn. And then he says, uh, cause of death was a lung infection. Terrible. Uh, her. Oh, hold on. Sorry. That may have been complicated by the loss of her spleen. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you don't stay in Motel 6. Her paramour in this film is played by Harris Dickinson, um, who plays Carl. If I had to say we had Carl. a central character, it would Carl. <laughs> it would probably be Carl. We follow him the most throughout the movie. However, I wouldn't necessarily say that he is our um, the antagonist at the central part of our story. Um, Carl's a male model, and the oh, we 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 go down a long dark path with Carl. Um, we see him grow. We see him recede. Uh, we see a lot out of Carl. Oh boy, what a journey! Um, Dolly De Leon. Now, uh, this this lady is uh, she's stealing a lot of attention right now. Um, a uh, a prominent Filipina actress um, is really making a lot of waves, and her she's fantastic. She really turns it on in the third act. Um, and she's only present in one scene in the first act, and then we see her in the third, and she's crushing it. Uh, and then you throw in Woody Harrelson as the um, alcoholic captain um, who is spouting um, quotes of Karl Marx with a Russian oligarch played by played by Zlatko Burek. This this man steals the film. Uh, he plays Dimitri. He is a Russian oligarch. And if someone asked him what he does, he said, I sell shit. <laughs> I sell fertilizer. I sell shit. That's pretty good. Listen to the movie and then listen to this back and you'll say, Clark, you nailed it. Dude, Dolly D. Leon was in a movie called Aswang. Oh, Dude. man. Yeah, early in her career. And uh, Aswang is a remake of a 1992 movie, Aswang. <laughs> She's too Aswang deep. We got work to do. Dude, you want to try and get her on here? We got to Aswang it. Unfortunately, again, and the correct way to say that is Aswang. Aswang. Yeah, thank you, Jack Osborne. Um, dude, she's like, she looks like a big time Filipina actress. Um, and also, there's there's one thing here. Um, you know, look, in we we know that this ship sinks here, um, and that you know what? We, we've we, we've got these uh, high to do people, you know, trying to survive on a uh, island. Um, however, how the ship sinks uh, is is quite delightful, and what they do is they they bring on another character 
and how they combine that character with the rest of the cast. And I know that I'm speaking very cryptically and nothing's making sense, but I'm trying to uh, create still a, a mystery here because it was just how they played that relationship uh, truly was great. And um, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the story is bringing in um, a person that should be their enemy um, and, how they got ingratiated in there was not, it was not a hallmark moment. It was just, it just felt real and, um, fantastic. Uh, Sean Baker, uh, friend of the show, uh, said this is one of his favorite movies in the past 10 years. Oh, Sean Butcher Baker, candlestick uh, maker. Love, love triangle sadness. Yeah. What's it's next? A- the circle of empathy. <laughs> <laughs> so, next on Friday night, Friday, Friday, Friday night. <laughs> oh, Hellraiser released on oh, Hulu yeah. from director David Brucker. Oh boy. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, I lost a little bit. Now, uh, Russell John, do you know who David Bruckner is? No. Um, he directed a little movie called The Night House. Oh, that's right. I did know that. He also directed a segment in Southbound. He also directed a segment in VHS. He also directed a movie you like from 2007 called The Signal. He also directed two episodes of Creep Show. This guy works. He works in horror. He knows horror. This is a man that should be trusted to carry on. The franchise, the lauded, the beloved, the weird franchise of Hellraiser. And this is the guy to do it. Russell John, your thoughts on how he did? Uh, well, you're not going to give me nothing, what you thought? Because we, we watched it together, but you spoke very little. Here's You want to know why? Why? I honestly, here, just for the record, I think you're fresher on Hellraiser than I am. I am, because yeah. I watched it uh, within the past year. Yep. And here's the deal. The original Hellraiser is horny as hell. Yeah. And this ain't horny. No. Because sex is dead. (laughs) We live in a sexless society. Okay. Hellraiser should be horny, baby. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's not. The first Hellraiser was horny and it was ooey and it was gooey. Yeah. And it was weird. Um, the first, this was okay. The first Hellraiser did a really good job of showing like decadence and like too much, like gluttony. Yeah. Like more, too much of everything. Yes. Like excess. Yeah. Th- it's weird because with this one, the only thing I heard about it leading up was that Doug Bradley's um, classic character Pinhead was going to be helmed by a uh, male to female trans person. And I'm like, why is that the first and only fucking thing I hear? Yeah. And I feel like maybe they maybe they shied away from it. Maybe they went not very sex crazy because of just well, see, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, that that's what this that's yeah. what this is. Yeah. Because the whole thing is about, you know, sexual pleasure and pain. Well yeah. yeah it's and this excess. is tame. Well, it's also kind of the struggle between having a sentient existence but being like a organic being. Don't be wrong. I feel like there's some good stuff in here. I really like uh, what they did with the box. They probably had what, like four or five practical boxes 
Oh, and yeah. then the rest, they, you know, monkeyed it up with the CG. But it looked great. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, it, you might think that um, we didn't like the film and there was nothing valuable here because it wasn't horny enough for Clark. It's not horny. But th- the thing is, tone. How ready got to be horny? You know, the visual palette, like the aesthetics of this film, th- I feel like they nailed the look. It's very noir. It looks very dark city. Sure. Uh, the pacing is slow. They take their time. I even like the um, new characters we have. We have like a modern um, story being told of a girl struggling with a drug addiction. And I thought all of it worked. The thing is, it's just not a unique horror film with like a pinhead involved that is all about atmosphere and uh, mental torment. This is kind of just a slasher movie. Yeah. And they really, because of that, they really focused in on the storytelling. They really fleshed out the puzzle box more. They gave it more of like a um, direct lore. There are rules. We we kind of, the Cenobites feel a little bit robotic here. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, there's a lot. This I love the set design and oh, yeah. how they, they did the shifting of the rooms. That was great. Yeah, the Cenobites too, I was really worried that they're just going to look fucking dumb and it would take me out. I don't think they looked... Uh, groundbreaking they very much look like a like you know a hellraiser 4 or i something. also feel like we were in incons- we gave the spotlight to some cenobites that didn't deserve that much spotlight i think that might just be because if you're talking about chatterbox yeah no he's he's a fan favorite big time the, no you get weird with cenobites when you have like the cd head guy do you did you ever see part three no Part three is interesting. Um, it's kind of a return to like, uh, like these movies always felt very New York, like downtown hey. urban. Well, you know, like very, I'm walking here. Like, uh, they live in a different world than everybody just sure. because of like people on the street and all the art going on. Yeah, rent's crazy. Everybody lives on, you know, the 45th floor of a building. Very um, exclusive art events with dark art and tormented artists. That one does all that, except there's a Cenobite who's literally got like, compact discs stuck in his head because it was that era fuck yeah (laughs) didn't age well felt very gimmicky um i don't think this one did i actually i felt like they turned a lot of the cenobites androgynous instead of getting horny with the cast you can still get horny i know i would have wanted both yeah i um also pain is pleasure i feel like the s&m area wasn't really explored no we get a character who's being tormented and i would have liked to see him embrace it instead of be tormented yeah Yeah. it was just i felt like we were just you know tiptoeing around everything and it was just watered down and it was uh you know i'm glad you put it that way that it was kind of like sexless and not like horny yeah it wasn't like sweaty like early cinemax or anything yeah what Clive they need. Barker fucks, dude. Yeah, here's what you do. He does. Yeah. Another man. Gay man. Yeah. Gay man. He, he knows how to fuck in leather. He's gay man, gay director. Here's the thing. What about this? I'm going to pitch it to you. Here we go. If we did I'll another one, you. keep the same cast and everything, mm-hmm. right? We just do another Hellraiser, same vein. Yep. Directed by uh, new David Cronenberg. Brandonian? Dude, his fucking Crimes of Past or Justice of the... What the hell was that movie called? Crimes of Futures Past. Now, see, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Crimes of the Future. David Cronenberg. Yeah, Crimes of the Future. He directed that movie twice. <laughs> so you want you want Junior on this? No. You want da- you want Dad? Dude, did you uh, not see Crimes of the Future? It was horny as fuck. I know. Well, I'm saying both could do it. I'm saying you blend Crimes of the Future with Hellraiser, and that's the movie I wanted. 
where people are getting their stomach flap cut For open. Sure. And I get that. No. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because uh, I did not see Crimes of the Future, but you know, oh, you, you, you I know I didn't, but you explaining it. Yes. We oh, needed yeah. some sort of element here because we got that. That's what the whole thing is built upon. Dude. Now, you know what? Watch Crimes of the Future, the new one, not the old one. And, uh, You'll, dude, it's all that. It's all like. See, that's the thing. It's just like, you know, I. I, It's, dude, I mean, uh, it's surgery as art. It's um, people uh, filleting holes in their body that aren't uh, connected to the genital in any any, uh, meaningful way. Dude, it's very, it grossed people out. But on, dude, dude, K-Stew, one of the grossest on-screen kisses in history. Yeah. But you know what? It was an earnest one. It wasn't supposed to like she wanted it. I don't, dude. I I think I'm onto something. Get Ran- David Cronenberg Hellraiser. Randy, how gross was that kiss? It was pretty gross. <laughs> I'm a big Case Two fan though, so I was down. God, it's like talking to Alexa sometimes, dude. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I it's just and again, you know, I didn't hate this. Um, no, me either. You know, there was some good stuff in here, but man, just like you gotta be horny, baby. You felt the runtime too. Two hours? Yeah, I know. What are we doing? Well, I mean... Two hours and no horn? You know, it's funny, because now that you said no horn, it's all I think about. Because, dude, even like Spawn, like the Keith David, oh, fucking great Spawn, right? The Todd McFarlane HBO show. Yeah. Same kind of pacing, very noir, but it's horny. There were there were titties in that animation. Hell like, yeah. you're right. It's totally... I know Leguizamo fucks, dude. Yeah, you, you sold me. They needed to have an orgy or something. In that yeah, something, yeah. something. <laughs> but again, uh, maybe go watch it. Huluween. They're doing good work out there. Uh, did you have anything else? No. Okay. Huluween. We also watched the Huluween drav- drag stravaganza. What the hell was it called? Drag stravaganza. Okay. I was right. It felt so wrong. Uh, let me tell you, this is not a RuPaul thing. This is not a Dragula thing. It's a Huluween thing. Yet they borrowed all the girls from that shit and a couple I didn't know. Uh, I'm not going to review this thing. I'll just tell you, if you like drag and you like those like brands of it, this worked. Um, Monet Exchange and Ginger Minge hosted it. It's ironic. Ginger Minge? Ginger Minge is fantastic. She's so good. Maybe one of my favorite lip sync performers. Do you know what Ginger Minge means? Yeah, I okay. do. Yeah. And I at, honestly, I, I, like the re- I like those drag names because a lot of girls don't do that anymore. It's not like a lame pun. Randy, Minge means pussy. Yeah, it's not, you know, like an uh, like a drag name might have been like Anita Dick, right? Like Oh yes, thank you so much. Anita Dick. In S- case Randy sis- Sister I mean. <laughs> oh my okay, thanks, Randy. <laughs> no, and I'll just tell you it was great. It was self-aware. Oh, one thing I should say. Kesha, check this out. TikTok. Kesha shows up. Uh it's uh Kesha now. She looks like she's been under a knife a couple of times and uh it didn't really agree with her to do what she wanted. Uh, she's also in like a string bikini, uh, but it's very gothed out for the season. You know, Halloween. She's got a bunch of dancers on there. Looks like she's on a sound stage. And uh, here's the thing. Not lip synced. It's her singing while dancing. It was one of the weirdest things I've seen in a long time. Again, she's singing Cannibal, which is a song I like. Not a huge Kesha fan. This thing was kind of an imperfect little, I don't know, sideshow. Uh, it stole it for me. I liked it so much. Oksana was like, wow, this sounds terrible. Why are you not a Kesha fan? Who, me? Yeah. Uh, because I like my pop stars um, 
not self-aware. I like bubblegum pop. I love Avril Lavigne. Clearly yeah. she has not a, she's never winked about any of her. I'll be 14 forever. Too, too much eyeliner. Okay. That's a different conversation, but just her brand. I don't like it when they are self-aware. I like my bubblegum gum pop. Wow. That was a Freudian. <laughs> bubblegum. Bubblegum. Okay. And I'll, you know, I'm going to use that as a segue. Uh, one of the movies I watched this Wednesday was, uh, the Balboa, okay, we all know the Balboa well. And they've been, if you look at their calendar now, they're kind of stacked. They're doing like little mini events all the time. A lot of them horror adjacent. And a lot of them have talent coming out. And they're kind of taking on like a Castro vibe. Like back in the day when they would have a lot of people. Or um, the clay. The clay. Yeah, and you know, it, definitely the clay because they're doing Rocky Horror and The Room. Which, oh my God, dude. Uh, stories to tell you friend of the show, Nick uh, Nordling or Harry Nordlinger who works there and is a comic or actually shout out to Harry who gave me vacuum decay number five. When I went out to see a nightmare on Elm street five, oh, yeah. fives were lining up. It's fantastic. If you don't read, he actually was able to pay his rent for a couple of months on uh, art, which if you're living in the Bay area and doing that, y- you've hit, you struck something. And I was congratulating them on that when he handed me the comic. And he went, well, it wasn't really the comic. I'm like, what other art are you doing? You know who hired him? The city. Tommy Wiseau. Really? Uh, now, again, this is just, I don't know if Harry I know he did some work for the city. Don't, uh, he did, but that doesn't pay. No. <laughs> so, so, again, this is between you and me. By you and me, I mean everybody listening right now and uh, everybody here. I don't know if he wants me to tell this. But Tommy came up to him who uh, comes to every fourth The Room screening at the historic Balboa Theater. And uh, he came up to him one day and said, hey, can you draw a shark? And he went, yep. <laughs> and so he said, okay, I'll, I'll email you. So again, uh, Harry said it would be about 2 a.m. And he would get a text or an email or some different form of communication from Tommy Wiseau. And he would be like, draw me a shark. And he said, okay, I'll do anything you want, but you got to pay me each time. So he said, draw me a shark. He did. Can you put my logo on the shark? He said, yeah, I can. So he said, can you add this line of text to the shark? He said, yep. Can you put the shark on a shoe? He said, yep. And I was like, wait, so he was paying you for, for that? He's like, no, he paid me for every step of the way. I'm like, whoa, how, how what were you charging him? He's like, $200. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, that's charging him. I'm like, well, again, and if you know Tommy Wiseau, he's rich and nobody knows how. So clearly he left Epstein Island when the going was good. He got out of the crypto market at the right time and uh, he's rich. So I don't know. know. I feel like Tommy invented the chain wallet. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a perfect fit? Dude, he invented the digital wallet and that's why he's got all that money. Oh, anyway, man. again, um, so we went out to the Balboa to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 5. No, 4. Was it 4? Four? 4. It was 4. It was Dream Master. And uh, Lisa Wilcox came out. Again, uh, if you remember 4, 4 is the hyper 80s one. I know everybody thinks 3s. 3s were, uh, you know, the, the favorite phrase of Freddy, bitch, makes its appearance. But in 4, that's really where they embrace it. I mean, MTV had a huge part in it. I know Freddie hosted a um, music video hour, I think, that we actually have a VHS tape of. But this was Freddie Mania. Something else happened in 4 that's very noteworthy. 
Patricia Patricia Arquette did not return, so they recasted her. Uh, and because of that, she wasn't the final girl anymore either. So we get a new character that's played by uh, Lisa Wilcox, who was going to be out there to do a Q&A and hang out and sign autographs. Well, the movie ended and uh, her flight still wasn't in or something. So this is a little weird because the day before she was at the Balboa Theater, they did back to back nights. So everybody was like, wait, she flew somewhere <laughs> like after last night and she's late tonight. Like what, what is happening? Like, is it a lie? So she shows up with some, uh, some kind of like boring looking horror fan white guy. And, uh, she, Randy, shows- I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> no, this guy's a little stocky. And, um, I didn't know I was there. last night. <laughs> he, He's like a meet in the middle between you guys. Um, and she shows up in a, a very pretty dress, black dress, uh, came fully equipped with the cape. I thought I was like, okay, uh, what event are you going to after this? Was she a lawyer? She looked dressed up. And again, it's like you were here last night. You know what you're getting into. Also, great turnout. 80 people there. About mm, 30 of them stuck around because they gave us a 10 minute <laughs> wait after the movie ended. So, you know, I like to talk. We hung out. We talked about the movie. Which, again, I don't want to talk too much about Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Did you Fucking, hang out with Lisa? No. I hung out with uh, our old third chair, Justin Coote, and all of uh, the friends that came. Also, shout out to Kush from Microdose who went out there. Actually, uh, me and Terrell were just on Microdose. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, go check out his podcast uh, again. Part just, two is going to be coming out next week of that. Yeah. Sounds and, like a Macrodose. Dude, <laughs> it really was because me and Terrell like to hang out and talk about horror movies. And Kush was drinking, so that's what happened. We talked about horror movies for almost two hours that I think he's going to cut down into two half-hour episodes while Kush got wasted. Of course. I hope he left it. He never leaves it in. But by the end... <laughs> dude, I was in the first half earlier this morning. Oh, dude. It, I can't imagine what he left in there. But by the end of it, he was just like, thank you, everyone, for coming to the show. Um, Lord Battle from the the Overlord hour i was like overlord hour <laughs> he what? was slurred it was fantastic what kind of company are we keeping I, dude i love him and here's the thing we bullied <laughs> him on the show to come to that screening and he's like i'll be there i'll be there and i was like you're not gonna show up you can barely talk he was supposed to be at the baby shower tonight <laughs> dude, you know he did show up he came equipped with a fifth of jack and some gummies so love you coach. <laughs> anyway uh, would have fit in with Sean. Apparently, he was hanging out with Lisa Wilcox before. Oh, who boy. showed up a little uh, sauced? I would just I you know, I can only describe it as not sober, <laughs> zooted. Well, here's the thing: everybody's like, "Dude, she must have been drinking on that flight." And I'm like, "Oh, you know that would check out." Except, I've uh, had my fair tangos with the uh, alcohol. And I've never come out. She wasn't slurring. To your drunk is what you're she, saying. <laughs> she wasn't art. She was articulate. She was just off. I think she was on a benzo high. Now, from what I know about you, Russell, um, I, I you were pretty good at breaking down people's various stages of fucked upness. Okay. So I think that you know, I, I think you have an acute sense of what sort of you know their their uh, drug of choice might be so in the case of uh miss lisa wilcox apparently we've turned it into tmz uh on this show uh i'll go with it fuck it i'm bored um so what was lisa wilcox all zooted well, up on? so she got up there and uh they just she talked with that dude 
who I mentioned before. And it's like, who is that dude? And I know everybody in there was kind of like, what's who's that guy? Turns out that's his man, her manager. And I guess or her okay, dealer. That's her manager because this motherfucker figured it out. What he does, is he taps in people like Lisa Wilcox, who kind of have a they have an important role in the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. She's the only f- survivor or final girl to not die. Like she never died in the series. And he knows that fans know that. So they tap him in, bring him out and parade him around. So I guess he's been like booking. a show pony. Kind of. And he gets a good cut of it while also being a dork, entre- or, you know, um, enthusiast. Like hey, us. kids. Hey, kids. Welcome <laughs> to Hollywood. Yeah. So I'm not kidding. He came out there and oh my God, they were just having a little conversation. It was cute. She's fine. But then the thing that always happens that we haven't talked about in probably a year and a half is the fucking Bay Area cannot. They don't know how to behave in a and a my fucking God, dude. Much less a QAnon. Dude, instant. Yeah. Can't even approach a QAnon. They can barely settle in for a Q&A. It was one of the fucking worst. It's, I hate. Well, I, oh. I feel like. I mean, anytime you have like a passionate fan base there, like the Q&A is going to be bad. Yeah. Because, you know, because again, you, you've got a crowd full of Icaruses. <laughs> and they're just like they're moss to a fucking flame yeah, like, nah, sure. nah, nah, and then they touch it and then they fucking burn up i okay you know what i have sympathy for them now because i've been there before where i had a you lot do of it every week when we have guests on the show yeah i've been trying to get better about it <laughs> you have been You've i've been trying great. to get mean i'm just like you know fuck this dude so when i get in there i hate him at first it's a, why do you have to go to complete opposites <laughs> when there's nice you know because i don't want to be drooling all over him like hey dude, dude what's up like i fucking love you man and, and then like panic attack you 100 percent have done no, i've done it many a time on here yeah and you know now i feel bad because clearly that's what was happening in the room here's the first question i remember it vividly uh you over there lady yeah with the hand up again hands n- not rocketing up to ask a question yep so that's already a bad sign mm-hmm. when there's that like two one beat too many and it's like is anybody gonna ask the room gets kind of tense everybody's worried and then one comes up and they're going oh yeah yeah you ma'am and she's like um, hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Wait, wait, that, that's not my question, though. That's not my question. We're like, oh, no. Yeah, the how are you doing? <laughs> the thing is, is like, you know, because we've been around a while, you know, and we've, we've done that. Within an instant, it's within two words. Yeah. I know where we're headed with these crazy folks. Oh, for sure. With what kind of question they're going to bring. Well, so when you're when you're running that. You can kind of wrangle it a lot better. One, the dude never said, oh, yeah. he never said what we were doing. So it just kind of turned into See, a that's Q&A. the thing. You got to, you got to command it. If you're running the Q and A, you got to, you got to take control of these goddamn animals. For sure. Again, I think this dude's just kind All of right. a pretender. I would euthanize these bitches on my watch. Check it out. So we're 15 right. Spade minutes. Spade neuter. <laughs> we're 15 minutes past the end of the movie. And I mean, and like lights came on in the theater. And then we start. She gets up there and we're kind of like, they're talking. And then it turns into a Q&A session. What I would have Before done- Before the movie? After. Okay. At 15 minutes after it ended. Now, the thing I would have done has been like, hey, I know it's late. Thank you for waiting. Well, let's ask a couple questions and we'll move out to her booth where you can talk to her there also and you can buy cool stuff. Well, dude, we, that Q&A, Oksana, <laughs> tell me if I'm exaggerating too much. 35 minutes- 40 minutes long. It yeah. felt, it felt like 
an hour. Dude, and here's the thing. Not a fun Q&A. Dude, at one point, <laughs> the same question was asked three times. And not even like dolled up in different ways. People were like, um, so again, you're, you're the only, you're the only final girl to have survived. Uh, would you have liked to die? Or are you happy that you survived? Three times we got that question after she brought it up on her own and answered that before it was ever asked. And she's like, I kind of wish I got killed. Like, it, it's cool. Like Freddie killing you. That's like a big thing. And you know, it's, it's kind of iconic. And I wish I could have had that moment. Uh, any questions? Yeah, would you have liked to die or not die? Three <laughs> fucking times, dude. One of them, was, I, <laughs> one of them was dressed like Freddy. He raised his claw and got called on, and he was like, "Um, um would you have liked to uh, die or not die?" And she's like, "I, I don't know." And he's like, "Well, how would you have liked to have been killed then?" And she's like, "I don't know. Do you have any ideas?" And he went, "No, I didn't want you to die." <laughs> oh my god so after that justin came up to me again our old third chair and he said dude if i didn't have crippling anxiety i would have got the fuck out of there from the minute it started because lisa who you know she was cool she started like painting a picture of her being a complete bitch on set she said one time there's a uh there's a moment where she's her shower fills with water mm -hmm. i think it's the beginning of part five and one of the pa dudes told her we peed in that water and she went, okay. And she turned demand production stop and that they change out all the water. Now the way that the rig was set up is that it's the same water. It gets filled up and pumped out and filled and it takes a little bit. She demanded that they dump it all and refill it. So they shut down the movie for a day to do that. And she's like, yeah, maybe that's why I wasn't invited back for part six. Maybe I was a little difficult. And it's like, she was being fun up there. And you're like, holy shit. And then the thing is, this sounds like Thanksgiving at my house. <laughs> you know, you get an ants a little, little too loaded up on the zannies. Dude, one of the best. Freud Pop a couple <laughs> bottles of red and uh, it's lights out. And you're like, where are we, where are we going? Yeah. And uh, one, somebody asked her, what was your favorite part of being in the production of a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? And she had the best Freudian slip ever. She said, oh, my favorite part of working on the production, I'd have to say it was the income, I mean, the outcome of my character and how I didn't, and it was, and I just looked around like, that was honest. <laughs> the income. And somebody, somebody mentioned how like it helped them with bullying this movie because she's, she's the boyfriend's sister of the old protagonist, the replacement uh, Patricia Arquette. And she's like, you know, I was really bullied and you're looking at her and I, I love it when pretty girls say that they were really bullied and yeah. had it hard. And it's like, you've never had it bad a day in your life. Yeah. And she was like, I grew up, this is really hard. I grew up in a rich neighborhood. I'm a blonde girl. I was a blonde white girl. I, we just moved in. Everybody bullied me. And I was looking around. I'm like, I can't sympathize. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just you've lived such a different life. Also, bitch, you got a cape on. Dude, she had a cape on. And uh, somebody asked her. Mm. Someone asked about where she got the dress. Uh, do you want to go ahead and fill that <laughs> that mystery in? She talked about the dress for a while and then was like, you might just have to look it up on Amazon. Amazon Prime. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> safe to say Lisa Wilcox won't be coming on the show. Oh, dude, she's episode. fantastic. Here's the thing. If she if she came on here even mad and was just like, oh, you guys are slandering me, but didn't give a fuck and wasn't trying to Hollywood us, I yeah. would love to sit here and talk. Yeah. She was talking about PAs pissing in her 
like Lisa, come on, we love a booze bag. She also has like 20 things in post-production for this year. And she failed to actually plug any of them. She was like, oh, you guys should check me out my new movies. Like in one of them, I'm like, and she didn't name one of them. Anyway, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, I actually do want to talk about that movie. So if you rewatch it and want to talk about how surreal it is or how they kind of yada, yada, yada over the procedural shit, which I think would be really valuable, especially because one of the kids, uh, his mom finds him dead because he's inside of his waterbed. Like in, he drowned in the waterbed mattress. That's a rough way to go. It's also, that'd be a hard police report to write. And I would just love to know how they kind of like solve that. (laughs) You always hear about, you know, writing the reports. (laughs) Dude, but this movie is the most surreal in the like, hey, this girl was bench pressing and her arms ripped off and now she's a cockroach. Like, what do the police do in that situation? I don't know. But if you want to talk about it, DM me. Um, Also, again, shout out to Harry for giving me vacuum decay. This shit sells out all over in the Bay Area. And, um, you know, he had one on him. He just handed it to me. Harry, I love you to death. The Nordlinger brothers, you're the best. Also, while we're talking about comic books given to me by talented people, I have another one called The Denim Devil, which was uh, mailed to me by Zach Carter, our good friend over at Intervision. And uh, The Denim Devil, Clark, did I, did I show you this? Look at that cover. Yeah. It's um it looks straight up like maniac cop, kind of like mean slasher vibes. Uh who knew it's a horror comedy? Uh the Denim Devil, you which you can't tell from the cover, because he genuinely has cool character design, is in a Canadian tuxedo, which I guess is kind of dumb when you think about it, but very 80s. Denim on denim. Uh, this book opens with him failing to murder a girl. And then being made fun of by homeless people, he's running by as he bleeds all the way to the uh, denim jean factory that he's hiding in and lives in with a corpse. Um, Those might be lightweight spoilers, but I think it's valuable because this shit is weird. And I knew if Zach was going to author a fucking comic book, it would be worthwhile. So, dude, Zach, thank you for sending it to me, but I'm totally I would have bought this. Um, and also, I'm buying it. He was supposed to put me in the movie of the Denim Devil. Oh, that's really yeah, dude. If they make the movie, buy the damn comic, help the sales uh, out. Hey, you're my agent. You fuck. Oh, dude. That mean I get to fly you out and book do Q and A work. <laughs> you're gonna show up baked out of your mind. Hell yeah! And I'll be like, dude, Clark, you did great in the Denim Devil. I love the Canadian tuxedo. <sighs> I'm method. That's part of my process. <laughs> Lisa Wilcox wants to piss in her shower. I want to fucking bake it up. Oh, I just thought of a cool movie idea. You do a Q&A with talent for a movie that has never existed. Sure. But you do it in a theater. Okay. So it's just you book an event for a thing that isn't real. And then when people show up, we do a QA. and a What am I, Nathan Fielder? No, because Nathan Fielder would make a Did you see him do, they did a stunt at the Mets game. Oh, no. Did you see that, Randy? Did you see that? I just saw there was a picture of him there. I didn't know there was a stunt of any sort. Well, it was kind of a stunt. Yeah. Um, he just pretended to look mad on the Jumbotron. <laughs> they were promoting the rehearsal, and then it cut to him, and he was just like, but oh. after he was dying and laughing, because they did the whole thing. It yeah. Was Dude, him mad? I, I wouldn't want to watch I'll show that. you on Twitter. It's good. Him actually? Oh, no. Him actually mad. I think he's going to have that nerd rage. Oh, yeah, like Randy? Yeah, like Randy. I didn't yeah. want to say it. When Randy gets mad, I get scared. It's a good thing I turned off his headphones because he can't hear us talking about him now. Randy, well, Randy, don't get mad. We love you. I don't get mad. 
<laughs> dude, I felt the anger. I did too. I'm like, scared. Dude, you you freak me out. Randy. My spine's tingling. After those hundred push-up like days. It's, dude, I know. I can't, <laughs> we can't get swole Randy now, dude. We're uh, eight days in, dude. That's that's 800 push-ups. Now, are you are you doing any other things? Are you just doing the push-ups? Just that. I'm trying to stick more to the uh, at least 10,000 steps a day. I was doing that for a while, but then I uh, I fell off, so. You tripped. <laughs> All, right. All right. Now, hold on. I got more. You what? ready? Why? I got I got uh, one more movie. Two more movies. Okay, one more. You said you had two movies. One of them you're doing with me. Hear it. Uh, briefly. Oh, God. We still got to talk about the movie. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. I watched a movie called... Room 343. Uh, thank you, Gothic Kickover, but it's actually Room 203. Uh, here's the only thing I'm going to tell you. If you want to know why the scariest 61st is such a fantastic visionary piece of modern art, watch Room 203 and then watch this one. Because, uh, dude, scariest 61st is like an actual film, and Room 203 is what any studio would have made with the exact same script. It's incredibly boring. Um, there's some interesting stuff that happens. Wait, no, I take that back. There's one thing they do. <laughs> These girls move into an apartment. There's a stained glass window. Um, it's like, why is this in here? Also, the landlord is the worst creepy gatekeeper I've ever seen in my life. Like, the turn back, you're going to die guy. He's fucking awful. Um, he just randomly shows up into their apartment to clean the stained glass window. There's a reveal in the third act where uh, a new boyfriend goes to a church and is taking pictures of stained glass windows to do research on why she has one. And he has a revelation. One of the stained glass windows has Jesus Christ on a cross mm-hmm. and he's looking at it and he freaks out and he runs out of the church he, and he looks at her stained glass window and in a kind of like oil paint fashion, kind of water, co- more watercolor. It's not a great stained glass window. There's a hidden upside down Jesus on a cross. Oh boy. And he's like, no, Satan. Uh, that's the best part of the movie. And it was terrible. So do not watch Room 203. And then we do have one more movie uh, to plug our interview this week uh, Terrifier 203. <sighs> Terrifier 2. Who knows? As, as successful as that Kickstarter was, we may have Terrifier 203. I, dude, right? Um, yeah. Uh, so we've got... Uh, <laughs> Damien Leone. The, the creative team behind Terrifier 2. Uh, to whom and one David of them Thornton. you are related. That's right. But we're teasing that. You have to listen to the episode if you want to find out. Also, may I say... We're, I, Randy... Look into submitting this for a Peabody Award, because I think this is uh, this is some of our finest work. It was a lot of fun. And again, earlier we talked about how I start to drool whenever we have a guest on here. I really I came into this one and I fucking hated them. In fact, I printed out pictures of them. I used it as a dartboard all week just to get in the right mindset to have a good interview. And yeah. it paid off. No, it was it was great to have them in, um, you know, as, as Terrifier has. Uh, man, that that. Now franchise, uh, Randy, look, th- we'll make Terrifier your second favorite horror franchise. How about that? Okay. I still have to see the first one. <laughs> All right. Well, it's, <laughs> it's there as a placeholder. Um, yeah, we, we can have you empty on the show, dude. Um, so super excited to have them on because, you know, this, uh, this film's you know, is making waves and it's great to have, you know, uh, such a 
independent film success story like this, um, where, you know, they just made this thing and then it caught fire and then they, they wanted $50,000 to make the second one. They ended up with like $300,000. Yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you this, they spent it. Oh yeah. Uh, this thing is two hours and 18 minutes. You better believe we brought that to Damien's attention. (laughs) I called him out on that and, uh, we got a pretty good answer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was great. And, um, man, if you if you're a fan of Terrifier, you will be happy, 100. percent um, And you know it's um, it's relentless. Yeah, relentless. It's a bleak film. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's bleaker than Smile. But again, you know, and that's why I wanted to talk to you know David about you know his character of Art because you know again I I'm I. I you understand that I'm not the biggest slasher fan, mm-hmm. but what I do know is physical comedy and <laughs> you know, the, the, the art of art, the art of the clown, Russell, not art, the clown, the art yeah. of the clown. Winky whoops. Winky whoops. And well, we should have pitched that. And he character. Did, you know, you know, this, this is a guy, you know, Oksana, what'd you say? He does like 200 voices. Yeah. In like under five minutes. Yeah. He's one of these guys, you know, but it, 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 you know, art does not say a word in these films. And he kind of, you know, played joke to that. Um, but his, uh, the physicality and being able to basically, you know, narrate without using words is something he does, is, you know, great. And, um, like legitimately great, though. It's fantastic. It's, it's almost like a tropey conversation. It's so hack. When people are like, oh, Kane Hodder really brought physical emoting to the role of Jason when he jumped it. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Everybody says that about every goddamn slasher. But I think Art the Clown actually has some heft there. Oh, like, yeah. like when people like talking about that, I mean it. Well, that's that's the other thing. And that's what I think makes him so disturbing is because, you know, he does kind of float in the space of, of being, you know, uh, a figment. And very real at the same time. Yeah, he's a cartoon. And, you know, and, and now he's he's got a friend in the <laughs> second one. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, uh, David also told us that yeah, originally uh, the makeup did, used to take three hours. And uh, now Damien's got it down to one. You know, I do want to point out, too, you mentioned that it looked like they put every dollar back into that movie. Okay. Um, I That's a trend with people whose art constantly is evolving and constantly is meaningful because Sam Barlow said that too. And we were talking about, dude, you left AAA games to do indie. And he was like, well, I make more money. The thing is I just put it all back in and you can tell like, fuck man, uh, his games are great. And then you come over here to terrifier two. And the, the thing with the runtime over two hours, when you have a gory movie, you think eh, it's probably going to get diluted. And it, it really doesn't. And t- like, honestly, set design got a lot better. Everything. Set design was it's great. Just a, it's a better version of Terrifier. It's fan. I don't know. I, I really liked it. And um, I was honest with them when I came in and I, I saw a two hour runtime. I was like, make some coffee because I've, I've watched a two hour slasher before and they're usually not fun. You know, the thing is, you know, we always talk about micro budget and I think that, you know, micro budget does that definition has changed uh, between, you know, what micro budget is today and what micro budget it was, you know, even 10 years ago. 
Uh, not even so much in terms of like figures, but just the expectation of the product that you can do based upon the figures. Um, you know, just because, you know, technology has advanced such now to where, you know, $300, $300,000 is still, it's a lot of money, lot but of money. relatively for a movie, it's not. No. But um, you can make a, a movie that looks good for $300, oh, $300,000. Sure. You can also fuck it up beyond recognition. <laughs> And, 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 you know, Randy, uh, we're kind of talking about that, you know, before the show, uh, about something differently, but like, you know, you've got to, you've got to measure that shit out. Um, you know, and if you blow your load all in one spot, it's, uh, it's not no, good. And as a fan of micro budget gore films, the thing that they usually fuck up, which would kill Randy is the sound design. There's usually none yeah. or it's flat. Yeah. And, um, terrifier 2 did not fall into that trap no. also um you mentioned that their kickstarter what made around three hundred thousand. i believe so uh their opening day now terrifier 2 had the privilege of being opened in 900 theaters in the u.s and it grossed four hundred thousand opening day so they already made their money and uh it went that's, on- that that's 10 times less than than bros <laughs> so that's not well, bad uh it says that the film went on to debut at 1.2 million Damn. So I and it had far less screens than Bros did. But here's the thing: that's a real cult film, man. Oh yeah, Art the Clown. And uh, he brings it up in there that Art started in a short called The Ninth uh, Date. Was that what it's called? I think it's The Ninth Circle. The Ninth Circle. Thank the you. Ninth Date. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I was looking. Okay, you know everybody makes fun of me for having a hundred tabs open. I was hoping to stall until I found it because I know I have one open of it. And uh, I don't know. My brain was on co-pilot. Yeah, it's the ninth circle. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but apparently that's where Art made his first uh, appearance. So hopefully that's on YouTube still. Again, if it is, can you tweet that out? Mm-hmm. What did I? You weren't here when we recorded last time and I asked you to to share. It was the screener. It was a link to the TBR short. Okay. And you did, did that. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, go on Twitter. We we do not love our Twitter very much. There isn't a lot going up there, but uh, it's that's because there's no fat. It's all fucking protein in our t- Twitter. Right, yeah, Randy, fatten up our Twitter, son. Yeah, I will on occasion. <laughs> Get in there with your quips. Yeah, I got a toothbrush, dude. God, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Does that mean we're running out of time? Yeah, for the show? I think so. <laughs> uh, sure. that was my joke. Randy's playing us off. <laughs> yeah, so Terrifier 2, I um I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, and I'm not washing a guest car. I genuinely like the movie. And again, so many people that we know reach out and are like, You watched it already? Fuck. Do a screening, let's watch it. And I'm like, okay, when it hits VOD, I'm down. And that's not normally something you say about a slasher film that goes over two hours long. So yeah, again, I think if you are a fan of Terrifier, you will be a fan of Terrifier too. Yep. And if you are a fan of Terrifier and you're not Terrifier too, then the problem's with you. <laughs> you need to look within yourself and figure out what's wrong, because Damien knows what he's doing. All right, this was a nice man. Not only is he a nice man, it's a man who cares. It's a man who sweats over his art okay here's a uh, my google top stories 
Terrifier 2 Slasher carves out $400,000 Thursday box office. Then here's the one under it. Weekend box office. Lyle Lyle stumbles. Amsterdam flops. And Terrifier 2 tops 1 million. By the way, what the hell is Lyle Lyle Crocodile? I don't know. Also, I saw that it was playing at the AMC near me, but I have no idea what it is still. Also, there's I saw a picture of Lyle Lyle the Crocodile wearing a Florida Gators shirt (laughs) that sent me in a blind fury. And then you were like, AMC a later, Lyle. Dude, I mean, I will say there are crocodiles in Florida, but don't have a crocodile wear a Gator shirt. That's just... (laughs) <laughs> that's perverse that's perverse it's from, supposed to be for the children um also uh, randy uh i thought you were going to review amsterdam this week Dave. not yet i haven't seen it i think it looks terrible i also did see a clip <laughs> from it um involving taylor swift that is pretty wild so i might i might go see it just for this one scene you like the t swift i don't but i'll i'll tell you what happens or i'll show you the clip it's pretty Ooh. good Hey, also, my phone kept giving me push notifications about Margot Robbie, you know, your girl, losing her role to Lady Gaga with the everybody's favorite clown, Harley Quinn. Oh, for Joker 2? Yeah, what the fuck is that? Oh, Joker 2. I think it was always supposed to go to Lady Gaga. I don't know, though. Lady Gaga? (laughs) I'm also not very excited at all for Joker 2. Yeah, because... All, y- all y'all little film auteurs, all you little fucking cool guy Alamo uh, film critics got your panties in a wad when Joker came out and crushed and reinvented the wheel. You liked Joker. I know. I loved it. I didn't. I know. That's yeah, what I didn't because I've seen movies before I saw Joker. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen every Scorsese movie before from also, the, uh, the 1960s yeah. and 70s. Yeah, but if he made a new one about a patriot fucking parachuting out on Hawaii, yeah, but that you'd was, all love it. We shouldn't have saw The King of Comedy before we saw Joker. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. That was a terrible mistake. Here's the problem. I never saw King of Comedy before I went to see The Joker. Well, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. So, I, it, yeah, I, I wasn't informed Joker enough to fine. know that not to not do it. There's some good in Joker. In- Joker was great. I can't wait for part two, especially because Margot Robbie won't be a part of it. I'll never watch it again. I'm glad he gave work to a lot of stand-up comedians in that movie. So that's cool. Yeah. So sure. sit down and shut up. Tough helps. All right. Um, all right. Anything else? Um. Uh, let me think. I'm sure I could come up with something to okay. stall this show out for another. All right. Oksana, any announcements? Uh... I had looked something up, but I now I forgot what it was. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, uh, one thing I should say is that everybody should be watching um, Spooky Blu-ray Tuesday with Terrell. This is my favorite time of year because he wears a costume for every recording, and it is always hilarious just to look at. And then I don't, he does this thing where he wants to do the whole video with the mask on. Why? He likes torturing himself. We can't hear you. He's a true Cenobite. Yeah. Oh, you can hear him. It sounds like he's talking from the it inside of a muffled. Mask. Yeah, duh. Like if you were being raped by a baby face guy, that's how it would sound. That seems a little extreme. That's what that's what Hellraiser was missing. I remembered it missed it. It missed a little fat guy with the with the glasses. <laughs> I like that guy. Who the guy from Jurassic Park and Seinfeld? Yeah, Newman. Dude, we hope- needed a Newman Cinnabite Hilarious when your uh, your boy was saying that he got mistaken as Newman all the time. Party oh. Lang. Party Lang. Yeah. That was probably when he had a nose. But Oksana, what were you saying? I looked up what Kevin from The Office's 
cameo goes for. Oh, there we go. Okay. Good way. Good way to close out this episode. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Uh, I apologize to Kush who did this as a game on his podcast. For oh, was that one far of the- oh, that is true. The, what was it? It was like guess the cameo. Now I don't want to do it anymore. Cash for a cameo. <laughs> now you ruined it. No, no. I think you ruined. We have it. to do it because we're stealing his bit, just so our audience can see how well it works. So go ahead, Oksana. Uh, poll everybody, please. What, so it sounds like peg them, but guesses. It, You're supposed to guess. My right? guess is $200 because a dollar more would be horrendous. I would feel bad for America. I think I heard it, but oh, I don't on, know. Dude. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it's 120. By prices is wait, right. Wait, let Randy, let Randy. I'm going to say 75 American dollars. Ooh. What did you he say? He looked it up. That what? motherfucker. Look at his glasses. Okay. Russell, what did you say? 200. Okay. Clark wins because it's 195. What? Oh. I got prices. You got prices right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the ghost of an audience? <laughs> sure. Dude, I missed it by five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, like I said, I can't be mad. There we go. Five more dollars. I'd be fucking furious. <laughs> we'll see you Thursday. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.